Hi everyone, this is the part of the podcast which I would usually say, Hi, my name's David and this is the Hypothetic RL, and I will be doing that very shortly. But before I do get to that, I needed to give you guys some information and a bit of a disclaimer about this episode. There's two things I need to talk to you about. The first one is that this episode, which I recorded with the Don himself, Mr. Carboni, actually occurred or it was recorded well before Australia and New Zealand had pulled out of the Rugby League World Cup for 2021 and before the event had been postponed until 2022. So we will be talking about an event that is not going to happen, um, which is interesting because that's what this podcast is all about, events that don't actually happen. But in this case, what I was trying to do was have a little bit of a crossover between myself and Chasing Ruse uh, to talk about the international game, to talk about the Rugby League World Cup that was coming up, and actually to not so much make predictions, but make what-ifs of of what was going to happen rather than what-ifs of what had happened. So it's a bit of a different, a bit of a departure from what I would normally do. And I was really excited about it. It was something that I came up with at the start of the year, and it did take uh, myself and and Carbs a little while to to get together and do the episode. Uh, But it was well worth it. It's a great episode. I'm not going to talk it up too much, but you're going to listen to it. But um, he's a, a quality you know, quality guest and just a great guy to chat rugby league with. So um, I have to put this episode out for that purpose, but I just needed to let everyone know that it's we're talking about something that as if it was going to still go ahead. So just imagine it's 2022 and the World Cup has still got 16 teams uh, in the men's competition and it's still the same 16 teams. So if we can just imagine that, then, you know, we're all good to go. The other thing is... He's actually given me a, a discount code for his chasingruse.com.au for, for the website. Um, <clears throat> I will give that to you, and feel free if you do want to use that, uh, that's great. Uh, it's Hyper10, so H-Y-P-E-R-1-0, and I'm assuming by the 10, it's at 10% off. Um, and I do thank him for doing that. Uh, I just wanted to say to everyone, and I I think I've made this clear to everyone before, and I'm just going to make it clear again. Um, I don't, and I will never have paid for ads. I don't have a Patreon. I have no desire to do any of those things. Now, in saying that, I am happy that other podcasts that do a lot more research and put a lot more time and effort into their podcasts have these as their payment methods, and good luck to them. I have no problem with that. I'm not trying to attack anyone there i just want to assure you all that this is not a podcast that will ever go behind a closed door uh, and this is not a podcast that will ever make you listen to ads to listen to the content that's all i need to say so i'll leave it back over to myself to introduce this episode and i hope you all enjoy hello my name is david and this is the hypothetic rl podcast a podcast about the what ifs of rugby league history Joining me for this episode is a very special guest. It's Don Carboni himself, Mr. Michael Carboni. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm liking the nickname Don Carboni. It's uh, it's got a ring to it, and and yeah, thank you very much, mate. How are you? I'm great. I'm really great. Uh, just just full uh, disclosure to everyone. We've probably talked for about an hour before I actually hit record here, so we, we've loosened ourselves up for you for you guys, and um, we're ready to to rip in and, and have a good time. It is very awkward going through, uh, through the pleasantries, like the hello, how are you going, when we've kind of been 
talking for the last 45 minutes, you know, so it's uh, it's awkward, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get past that fairly quickly. It's, it's fine. It, look, you know, anyone, I, I find that uh, with your interview style that anyone that talks to you, you just, you know, you're just an easy guy to talk to. So it's... Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, look, it's just, you know, normal conversation with anyone. Love it. So uh, our, our what if or our hypothetical for today, I actually pitched this to you quite some time ago um had a dream about it day? yeah i remember yeah. i had a dream about it i woke up the next morning and i <laughs> i dm'd you and you're like yeah 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 settle down mate we'll get to it we'll do it one day um <laughs> and i just harassed you and harassed you until i finally nailed you down today so uh basically the what if it's going to be a series of what ifs what i wanted to do is i wanted to talk about the the rugby league world cup that's coming up uh this year and i wanted to just talk about the different teams that are in there and what would happen, you know, basically the best and worst case scenarios for teams and what would happen if they'd had those best or worst case scenarios. So what we're going to do is we're just going to go through each of the teams uh, in the, we're doing the men's draw. I'm not going to go through the ladies in the wheelchair as well. Um, I don't think you know that much about how good Spain is in wheelchair rugby league. And I don't think it's going to make as huge a difference. Um, yeah. I, I did feel guilty not doing the the ladies one. We maybe we could just say something at the end there, but um, I wanted to concentrate on the the main sixteen and not keep you for four hours. So um, we'll just we'll stick to uh, the sixteen qualified teams for the twenty twenty one rugby league world cup. And uh, yeah, maybe the best way to start is just to just to start with the team that has the highest. Well, I mean the highest like the. Uh, the largest number rating, so basically the team that is lowest ranking in in the World Cup, and that's the Cook Islands. Um, what are your What are your thoughts about the Cook Islands in this World Cup? What What sort of chances do you get give them to um, to go for past the pool round? Well, Dave, let me take a step back first and say the pressure is on because normally, like I do listen to your podcast, mate, and normally mm. you're talking about hypotheticals of you know, things that have already happened. So you can't really go back and say, oh, yeah, you were wrong, you were right. It's mm-hmm. all a bit of fun. But with this, we can kind of, we're trying to predict the future. So I feel like the pressure's on. We'll go back in 150 days or whatever it is when the World Cup is on <laughs> and say, no, nah, Don Carboni, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? No, you well, no look, look, I think we frame, if I think I frame <laughs> the question differently, if I say, what if the Cook Islands make it through the pool stage? What do you yeah. th- what do you think happens? You know, what do you think that would happen for the actual Cook Islands? Like, I think oh, if we frame it that way, league. yeah, in terms okay, of rugby yeah, league, like let's do it like that way because I don't want to yeah, be yeah, predicting like the World Cup winner um, because like we'll just that. say Australia and I can turn it off now because um, that's going to be that's going to be the most sure shot we can have. That Australia's going to win I it. I hope not. I, I have a bet with Big T, a sandwich bet going on on Chasing Kangaroos podcast. Yeah, where he has Australia and I have the rest. Oh really? And, uh, who, yeah, yeah. Whoever wins, obviously, has to, or the loser has to buy the other one a sandwich. Which I think he owes me a couple, so I don't mind. But yeah, he's got Australia. I've got the rest. But mate, back to to the question, Cook Islands. Look, I think Cook Islands are a bit of a smoky in their pool. So Group D, what is it? Mm. Tonga, PNG, Wales, and Cook Island. That's it. Yeah, it's their first World Cup for a couple of World Cups. Um, they weren't in the last one, but they were there before that. Cook Islands, like, funnily, uh, something I found out the other day is that um, we always talk about how Papua New Guinea, uh, Papua New Guineans love rugby league and it's their national, rugby league is their national sport. They're the mm-hmm. only country in the world where it is their national sport. But I learned 
a couple of days ago that it's actually the national sport for the Cook Islands as well. So that's really exciting to see these two in the same group. I think I think Cook Islands could get out of their group. It would be hard for them, like, they're in a tough group for them. Yeah. You'd have to think Tonga, Papua New Guinea would be the two favourites there, and no, no offence to Wales, but they're in a strong group. Yeah. But Cook Islands have some potential... Potentially, they have a decent squad there. So, you know, they've got your Takarangis, and you've got guys like... Um, Chans Nikakokstad, who could play for Cook Islands. Mm. You've got guys like, uh, I heard potentially Carmichael Hunt could be playing for the Cook Islands. We don't, we're not sure yet, but it is a little whisper that I have heard. Uh, we know that Valentine Holmes could if he's not playing for Australia. So the Cookies could potentially have a really strong squad, and it depends. Look, it's hard to say without knowing who's going to be in this team, mm. but I would think that if they, if they did have some success and get out of their group stage, then uh, there'd be some celebrations in Cook Islands considering it's uh, it's their national sport. Definitely. And, I mean, the thing for the Cook Islands is that no one's really expecting to make it out of that group. So, I mean, the, when when I sort of said we'll do it on the, the best and the worst case, the worst case for them is they don't win a game or they, you know, they get beaten quite heavily in a few games. It would obviously be disappointing for them, but I think the upside is that, you know, even if they can win like one game against a PNG or a Tonga, it would be a huge thing. Even if they don't make it out of the group, I think it would still be huge if they could be competitive against Tonga. Because, you know, I mean, obviously we all talk about the rise of Tonga in the Pacific, but if they can match it with Tonga, um, even in that one game, I think it would be probably even a, a bit of a moral victory for them in, in doing that as well. Yeah, definitely you're right. And I, I, they did shellac um, Samoa at the World Cup 9. Mm. And I know it's a different version of rugby league obviously but it's pretty similar and they they really did it easily and for them to be able to do that it made me think okay bookies might be onto something here if they can get it right in this tournament yeah and i mean they did their path through was was a bit tough and they did end up having to win that that sort of repercharge or whatever they call it against the usa um yep. so so they definitely have the credentials to beat you know teams at that level um even though their ranking in the world is like around 2023 20, i think it is um, you know, like they, they're still a good side. And like, like you said, it, when you do world rankings and when you look at these teams and how they qualify, it just depends on who's who's available at the time. So, you know, some of those players that you've named, if they were available for the Cook Islands, they, they would be a real good chance to... Look, I don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but they'd be at least a good chance to win one, maybe two of their games. And that might be enough to get them through into that, the quarterfinal. Um, and then... You know, could you imagine if they won their quarterfinal and made it to the semifinals? If you're saying the celebrations would be pretty huge getting the quarterfinals, I can imagine what it would be like in um, in the Cook Islands if they got to a semi. Yeah, definitely, man. It's huge. Look, they're definitely, they are the smoky in their group. They could mm. go through. Uh, they'd probably, look, most likely come third, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them get in the top two in Group D. Cool. All right, well, we'll move on from them. The... Like I said to you before, as we go down this list, we're going to be talking um, about teams that are that don't have a lot of downside. That you know, the worst downside is they don't win a game. Um, so the next one on the list is an interesting one. It's Jamaica. Um, so yeah. it's probably a good idea, as I say, as I should say, because they're in they're in Group C uh, with Ireland, Lebanon, New Zealand. Uh, I'm not going to ask you how their chances are, but what do you think would be the implications if Jamaica could make it out of their group? Look, it's huge um, if they can make it out of there. The fact that Jamaica are there at all is pretty huge. It's their first World Cup. Mm. Um, 
you know, in the island, in the island of Jamaica, they really only have started to learn about rugby league. It's only really a decade old there. Um, it would be a massive thing for them to be able to get out of their group. Again, I don't like their chances, although it's, inter- it, it's an interesting group that they're mm-hmm. in because potentially Jamaica could field a decent side. They've got some great heritage players in the UK yep. um, who, who qualify and who help them qualify for the World Cup. I love that they're going to have they're going to have a few players from their domestic competition as well being blooded and, and, and learning their trade and, and getting to mix it with some of the professionals, which is fantastic. But if you look at their group, obviously New Zealand is far and away the strongest in Group C. Mm-hmm. Lebanon are touch and go depending on who they field because, um, you know, Lebanon really haven't... The, the, so domestic Lebanon and heritage Australian Lebanon haven't really seen eye to eye over the last few years. You know, Robbie Farah's retired. Are we going to see guys like Mitchell Moses in this Lebanon side? So it really depends on what sort of team Lebanon field. Um, in, like, and if they look, obviously they could they could field a team that comes second in that group. I think, or you know, depending on how things go, maybe not. And Jamaica could be a chance against a weaker Lebanon side. Mm-hmm. Ireland's the other one as well. Interesting side. Ireland are obviously going to have some UK Super League based players as well and, and Championship etc. But I'm really looking forward to that that Jamaica Island game. Um, yeah. It's going to be a close one. Uh, I know we've got um, you know Ashton Goulding and, and Ronan Michael, two guys that I've spoken to before. They both play for Huddersfield. They're going to be lining up against each other in that game. So it's one of the games I'm actually looking forward to the most in this World Cup, and that could go either way. So I think a, a successful World Cup for Jamaica would be to win at least one game in their group. Mm-hmm. But but just being there is um, is quite a feat for them. And it's something for them to grow on in four years' time as well. Yeah, and I think that's the main thing for them is, like you said, I was going to say, winning a game is probably huge. Um, even even being competitive in... I mean, look, I don't know what's going to happen when they play New Zealand. I'm not sure how, how ruthless New Zealand will be. And, I mean, we, we've all got to be serious that I don't think, you know, Jamaica's probably not a big chance of being New Zealand. So, yeah. Um, like if they could run New Zealand fairly close, and and even if they don't get a win over Ireland or Lebanon, but actually are competitive in those two games, I think that would that's definitely going to go a long way to you know to encouraging them for the next time. Um, and I mean it was like you said, it was a big thing for them to qualify because I think most people think that uh, in the Americas that the team that's going to qualify is going to be the USA or possibly Canada, but you, pretty much the USA is the is the team that that would qualify in that spot normally. So. You know, the fact that Jamaica was able to qualify ahead of the USA is is pretty amazing, and like just even in that way. But you know, like no, no, yeah, nobody expected Jamaica. I don't even know if Jamaica expected Jamaica. No. The biggest thing about the biggest thing about them being there is it puts them on the map. So in terms of in country in Jamaica, it does put the sport on the map. People sort of understand what they call it rugby over there, but they understand what rugby is and, and mm. they understand the sport. And you know, kids in schools play it now. Or, 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 you know, COVID permitting, obviously, it's been difficult recently, but there are school junior systems in Jamaica, which is fantastic to see. They've got something to aim for now. But also, you know, they're getting into, like, West Indian communities in Northern England as well who typically don't follow rugby league. All of a sudden, they know there's a World Cup predominantly in the north of England. They know Jamaica's there, and there's a potential audience of new fans. So... Uh, Jamaica, I know it's probably not the question, but Jamaica, just being there is so important. And just being there has such a great effect on so many new fans of our sport. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, like like you said, um, I, I believe they had a game against the England Knights what, last year or the year before, and it was a couple a, of years ago. Yeah, yeah, it was, and that was a, a big thing as well. So I, I I totally agree with what you're saying. If just them being there is is enough, um, but you know if they're able to win one or maybe two games, I mean I know we're being a little bit harder on them than we are the Cook Islands. We're not saying what if they make the quarters because I don't think that's going to happen, but. Um, on that question, if by some amazing, you know, run of events they are able to beat Ireland and Lebanon and get that second spot and get to the quarters, um, do you think it would have a, an even bigger effect, or do you think it wouldn't really matter? It's just really that they're there and and they can win a game. I th- I think they'll probably make a movie about them. Um, cool Runnings too. <laughs> cool Runnings too. If it got to that, so, if it depends on how yeah. cold it is up there, it might be slightly <laughs> chilly Runnings. Exactly. Exactly. They could get. Yeah, it would be fantastic. I, I want to. Do, I want to. I want to see that. I want that. But the thing about that is, they could make a cool runnings anyway. Because I don't know how much you know about the the Jamaican bobsled team, but um, they did come dead last in that Olympics that the cool runnings is based on. Um, I did they, hear that. Yeah. I did hear that, and as a nine year old, it shattered me. I know. It's it's actually all lie, <laughs> and they weren't any good, and they were. But but they they competed, and that was the whole point. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll we'll move on from from Jamaica. We'll go we'll go back to the as they call them the home country. So the next one on the list is Wales, uh, who is okay. in, in Group D with Cook Islands and P and G and Tonga. So uh, Wales is the one that is, you know, it's the one non-Pacific nation really. I mean, if you call P P and G a Pacific nation, it's the it's look. I I think when the when the draw happened, I think if you were from Wales, you would have been maybe a little bit. Uh, upset about where you got drawn because you know you're in a you're in a pool against Tonga and PNG and the Cook Islands are definitely no easy beats. I I thought the same as you, but it's funny us Aussies sitting over here. We we can look at that and have the same draw the same conclusion. But people that I've spoken to from Wales and from the Welsh Rugby League, they sort of got a little bit of confidence out of that because they're thinking here we are north of England. So it's it's going to be cold, mm. uh, and these Pacific nations are coming to see to meet us. They're not used to these conditions. It's going to be wet, windy, and cold potentially. Mm. They're not going to be used to it, and I think Wales feel like they're going to have some sort of advantage there. And, and you know they might be right. Um, you know if, if they're showing up against a PNG side who are used to playing you know a lot of Q Cup and and or in Australia or in Papua New Guinea, mm. then. They're not going to be used to those those Northern English conditions, and um, I think you know they might be onto something. So again, they're a smoky. Mm. I, I like Cook Islands' chances of progressing more because I just think you know Wales have had stronger sides, but Wales are building something, and I think I think this World Cup for Wales is about blooding through some youngsters. I mean, they've got great players like Regan Grace there who will do a great job, and he's world class. But they've got a lot of youngsters coming through. And they're really starting to develop some players again, which we haven't seen come out of Wales for a while. So I think this World Cup for Wales is very much about building up the base and the foundations for 2025, yeah. more than more than really doing anything too crazy in 2021. Yeah. Look, one point to what you're saying about the the conditions. I do remember there was a Four Nations where Scotland. I think they had a draw with New Zealand, and it was played. Uh, up in Cumbria or something like that, really, really cold, wet conditions, uh, and the New Zealanders just didn't know how to deal with it. Um, and obviously, Scotland didn't get the win, but you know they were against New Zealand, so it's pretty good to. And I'm pretty sure it was a draw. Um, the other thing too is you talk about Wales. Uh, Wales seems like, you know, they 
they haven't been really good for a long time but you know, you've got to remember there is there is some heritage there in Wales and they do have you know I know it's in League One but they do have two Welsh teams in in the professional competition in, in England so you know there's quite a lot of talent coming through like that sort of you know there's West Wales and some of those guys and you know the only really disappointing one is obviously you've got Regan Grace there but um uh, and his name escapes me now, but the other fellow who was a Welsh and, and decided to declare himself English, I'm trying to think his name. Oh, was it Morgan Knowles? Yeah, Morgan Knowles. Sorry, I forgot yeah. his name. But, I yeah. mean, I think that's disappointing for them. Uh, but oh, then, look, at the end yeah. of the day, Morgan Knowles was born in England. Yeah, he was born so in England. That's what you can't, you can't, you can't begrudge yeah. him with that. But um, it would have been nice for him to be strengthening <laughs> that Wales uh, back row, that's for sure. It would have been. I mean, I think that would have given them more chance. I think if they had him there and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but... You know, I I think for them, if they lose if they lose all their games, I think it might be not a setback, but maybe not desirable for them. Um, you know, I mean, they can always point to the fact they're in a pretty tough group, and that's probably you know why. But you know, if they if they are able to do what we said Cook Islands might be able to do and win a couple of games and and get into the quarterfinals, I think that would be a, a huge positive for for Welsh rugby league. So yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens with them. Uh, the next one is an interesting one, which is Italy. So they're in Group B. So Group B is uh, Italy, Scotland, Fiji, and Australia. Um, obviously, there's one big heavyweight there, uh, another pretty big heavyweight, and then there's you know in Fiji, and then there's Scotland. So um, you know, like I, I don't know a lot about the Italians. Obviously, Italy is notoriously one of these nations that have a lot of heritage players. Um, yep. And I don't know what their squad's going to be like this time, whether there's going to be some some uh, homegrown talent there or not. But uh, it could be a, a big positive for them if they can get maybe get a win over Scotland or maybe a win over Fiji. Yeah, yeah. I think like I, I think Scotland might be a possibility. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. Look, Fiji and Australia are going to are going to absolutely blow the rest of that group out of the park. I think. I think that's a no brainer. One and two. Hmm. Um, but Italy are in that Lebanon camp where it just depends on which heritage players show up. So they're going to have they've, they've committed to eight domestic players, which is fantastic. Mm. One of them, uh, Jolie Cellarino, has played in the last three World Cups, so he's played with the Minicellos and the Tedescos and all that sort of thing. So he's quite he's a front rower. He's currently playing in France. Uh, for Palau, I believe, Palau Broncos. Mm. Um, he's got some great experience, so he's one of those domestic guys that will show up, but it's going to be all about the heritage boys for Italy as it normally is. Now, they had Tedesco last World Cup. They didn't do very well. They did better the World Cup before that with Mini, and I think Tedesco was in that one too, actually. That is a strong side, but mm. I think it really depends on, you know, do the Paul Vaughans and the Nathan Browns uh, of the world uh, show up for this Italian side. So, Again, very hard to very hard to judge how they'll go until yeah. we see what the squad looks like. Um, I, I think the important thing for Italy is, you know, Italy's been to the last three World Cups now. Mm. They need to they need to spring like what happens next for Italy really depends on how much leverage they can take to their domestic competition. So their domestic comp has been a little bit up and down. They've had domestic teams like the Saluzzo Roosters who've been who are part of the French Division Two up until recently. They've got, you know, clubs in Lignano and Milano and Milan as well. Mm. Um, that are that are really just sort of getting started still and, and COVID hasn't helped them either. But 
I think we're going to hear hopefully some good news from from the people I'm speaking to over there. Hopefully, we're going to hear some good news in terms of domestic activity for Italy uh, for next season and beyond. Mm-hmm. And this World Cup really just needs to be a springboard for some domestic activity because it's great that you know guys with last names ending in vowels can can play for, but that are Australian can play for um, Italy at a World Cup. I would have loved to have been able to do that, believe me. But um, I think it will be even better if we can get an Italian side full of Italian-born and bred uh, rugby league players one day. And I think that's what whatever happens to Italy at this World Cup, I don't think they're going to do too well in Group B, unfortunately. Yeah. But whatever they do, it needs to be working towards dom- stronger domestic activity. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's that's the biggest thing that we're getting into a group here of, of nations. I think the, the next few are going to be the same sort of same sort of thing as where um, they've been around for a little while. Um, well, some of them have, some haven't, but they've been around for a while. And you know, is it is it time for them to actually step up? Will they be able to actually make it to a quarterfinal? Because because some of these nations have you know been in, been in the pools before. I mean, obviously the formats have been different before, but they they've never really gone very far. So I think Italy is yeah. one of those. Um, the next one on the list is Ireland, which is in the same camp. So we we're talking about Group C again. So it's Jamaica and Lebanon and New Zealand. Um, we kind of as we talked about Jamaica, we kind of had a, a bit of a chat about Ireland as well. Uh, you talked about Ronan Michael. Um, in terms of what it means to Ireland. Look, I don't know domestically what what the uh, what Ireland is like, apart from what I've heard from the Ronan Michael interview you guys did. Um, yep. But you know, like it's there's there's no real um, there's no real uh, English Super League presence in Ireland or anything like that. Although they've talked about it before, I don't know whether maybe a, a successful World Cup is is winning a game or a successful World Cup. You know, could they could they dare that they could make a quarter final? I'm not sure, but. You know, I think for Ireland, if they go through this and don't win a game and they get beaten by Jamaica, I think that could be uh, quite detrimental to them because, you know, they they realistically should be well above that level. Yeah, they should. And um, look, they're, lu- they're lucky in that Group C is probably the most winnable. Like, apart from New Zealand, the other three nations, it really just depends on who, who shows up in that squad. So I think Ireland are lucky in that they could come second in that group. They could also come third or fourth in that group. Mm. It's the hardest one to read. Ireland do have some great heritage talent and some Irish-born talent in the Super League. We've already mentioned Ronan Michael. He's he's an absolute gun and he's only 20. Um, He's going to be one of the standouts in this World Cup. He's going to be a name that I think will step up and um, can't wait to see him play. And also just being interviewed after games and, and things like that. Like you heard him on our podcast. He's very charismatic kid and I think he's got a bright future ahead of him um, hopefully he makes his way back to the NRL mm-hmm. almost had a shot with the Raiders before um, before COVID happened so it will be great to see him over here again one day there's a couple of other Ronan Michaels coming through as well so he's sort of opened up a little bit of a pathway from domestic Ireland to some Super League academies and clubs as well mm-hmm. so we might get to see some of these guys get a shot um, there is a good domestic scene in Ireland, which is growing. They've got about five or six clubs at the moment. Those clubs have junior, uh, are building junior pathway systems as well, and it's growing all the time. Uh, the Longhorns is the premier club over there. They're looking for their fifth grand final win in a row this year. Um, so they've they've been they've been really shining, leading the way. Um, again, it's like 
very similar, a lot of similar stories here, mate. So like Italy, mm. um, if Ireland do well at a World Cup, then you want to be telling that story to the kids in Dublin and Limerick and et cetera, et cetera, and let them know that there's an opportunity for them to represent their country in, in the other rugby as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you might find that a few might do that. Um, so we're good to see. I think the, the end goal for Ireland or the big goal for Ireland needs to be to eventually have a Super League team uh, or, or at least a Championship League One team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's definitely doable in the next in the near future, like um, five, ten years. Yeah. Um, and it all could sp- it all could start from from a decent World Cup. Yeah, well, definitely could. All right. Well, I think that's all we can really say about Ireland. I don't think them get, they're getting further than the the quarters. And, <laughs> and if they do get further than the quarters, uh, I'm just not sure what that does. Uh, the next one's a very interesting one. Um, they came onto my radar when I heard that they were playing in a qualifier against Norway. So um, okay. it was Greece, who's who is yeah. in Group A, um, and it was quite interesting. I I had. I really didn't know how it worked until something came up saying, "Hey, this is a um, it's a qualifier for a qualifier, basically." So they they had to defeat Norway to make their way into the pools, um, and then they worked their way through those pools, and they, they ended up qualifying. and And one really something that came out of almost nothing. I don't think many people knew about the game in Greece. Um, yeah. So obviously, you know, Greece is in the same pool as France and Samoa and England. Um, if Greece don't win a game, I don't know how much that makes a big difference. But if they're able to to win at least one game, I think this could make a huge difference to to the Greek. Um, rugby it league. would be a great fairy tale story for them to win one game. Look, Greece won't win a game. Mm. They got England, Samoa, and France. I don't think Greece will win a game. Um, but Greece have already won. Yeah, if that makes sense, just yeah. by being there, uh, we won't go into. Heaps of detail. I don't, I'm not sure how much your listeners, Dave, would know, but Greece have really like defeated all the odds to be there. They, the, the sport of rugby league was banned in Greece during the entire qualification process, and they still managed to qualify. Um, they had to take their game, their home games to London. Um, it's it's an incredible story, and I encourage anyone to to Google it and do some research. There's a great article on everything rugby league buried somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, about this and we've had a few podcasts about it as well um, on Chasing Kangaroos so I encourage anyone interested to do some research and try and, and learn about what happened there if they don't know already but Greece being there is huge they've mm-hmm. got a decent they've got some good heritage players that help them qualify so um, Billy Magulius uh, Sharks and Newtown Jets many many listeners will know who he is Peter Mamatsoulis who's a hooker for, in lower grades for South Sydney Rabbitohs um, these guys helped um, helped Greece qualify, and they'll be there again. Rob Tuliatu is another one. Um, they they will be at this World Cup with Greece, and they've also got some great domestic players like uh, Theodorus Neonakis, who's one that I've loved watching come through uh, the Aris Eagle system in Athens. Mm. Um, and they've got a they've got a guy named Theodorus Bastos who is playing for Coventry Bears at the moment in League One, and he's played. He's played a bit of League One. He's played some French rugby league as well. Uh, but he came from the road. Uh, the I think he came from the Rhodes uh, side, mm. uh, who were undefeated for probably five or six years in the in the Greek domestic competition. So these are some guys that have some decent experience, and they'll go okay. You know, they won't let anyone down, and 
just I think the fact that they're there, rugby league is somewhat can somewhat be on the map in Greece. You know, mm-hmm. it is it is a sport that is very much unknown there. Um but being in a World Cup helps. And yeah, they probably won't win a game, but a lot like Italy, they're gonna have a minimum of eight domestic players in their squad. And if those guys can head home with some stories and some bruises, then, you know, maybe we can get 10 Greek guys, domestic guys at the next World Cup. And, and that's what, that's what you want. You want to grow mm. from the experience. Well, plus on, on, we had, uh, Jamaica with cool runnings too. Maybe we end up with, uh, Savaki runnings for Greece. I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, or cool Savlakis. I wasn't sure which way I was going to go with that. So cool Savlakis is a better. <laughs> cool Savlakis sounds yeah, terrible. That. that sounds like a really <laughs> bad takeaway shop. <laughs> uh, but look, you know, it, they may become. They don't really have to win a game. They just have to be competitive in a game. Even if they run someone close, even if they get within a try of someone, it would be a, a huge victory for them. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to talk them down, but I think it would. You know, if they could. They could t- if they could get through those three games without getting blown out at all, if they could be competitive in three games, then it's going to be a, a huge, like a huge boost. Because it, even though you can say oh, we didn't win a game, but you can say look, you know, we came up against teams that are you know ranked in the top ten in the world. Because um, the three other teams they're playing against are all in the top ten, um, and you know we weren't, we didn't uh, embarrass ourselves, and we were we were close. And you know, like I said, they they build for the next one, and hopefully this momentum they've got means that they qualify for 2025 and, you know, maybe they have more of a chance by then. Yeah, that would be very nice. Yeah. All right, well, so next one, we've already pretty much talked about a little bit, but we'll go over a a bit closer, is Lebanon. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, it's interesting because I think the big thing is, like you said, whether guys like Mitchell Moses and maybe, you know, Abbas Miski and some of those kind of guys who have played from before, uh, will actually play for Lebanon or not, or whether it's going to be more of the domestic guys that play. Um, I think that's going to make a huge difference. And like we said before, they're in the pool with Ireland and Jamaica. Um, New Zealand's, I think, might be a bridge too far. Even even with all you know, even with NRL players playing for Lebanon, um, I still think New Zealand's well and truly too good for them. Um, but look, if they if they are able to get through. That first, like they're in, I think they're in the box seat. If you look at the way the rankings go, they really should be the second team. So yeah. if they are able to get into the quarterfinals, and depending on who they come up against, if they are able to, you know, jag a win in a in a, in a fi- semi, oh, sorry, in a quarterfinal and get to a semi final, um, what kind of effect do you think that would have? It's hard to say because well, Lebanon were in in the final, or they got pretty deep at the last World Cup. Mm. Um, they got to the quarterfinals last time around. If it wasn't for Tonga shocking the world, then Lebanon was sort of the next one that was shocking everyone. No one expected Lebanon to go as well as they did. Because they because they got so far last World Cup, they they automatically qualified for this one. They didn't have to go through a qualifying process. Yeah. And I think that hurt them because not having to get games together, not having to do much domestically, not having to to get that synergy between the heritage boys and the domestic boys, I think that may have hurt them a little bit. So they're they're the big question mark in this tournament. We don't know what the squad's going to look like. We don't know how well the domestics and the heritage are going to gel or how well they're all getting along politically, Mm. uh, which is, again, another story for another day. But 
Um, they could very well be in the top two in this group, or they could come third or fourth again. It's that Group C, right? Mm. So it's going to be tricky. If they if they go all the way through to the semis, then it's a great feat for them. But again, the question is, how do we capitalise on that? Yeah. After the World Cup, because Lebanon's one of these nations that most of the money that they raise and that goes into Lebanese rugby league. Um, is spent during the World Cup period every four years. What we need to do with Lebanon is spread that out domestically over four years and try and grow the game over there. Yeah. Uh, I said it about Italy, similar stories with Greece and Ireland and, and nations like that. It's all well and good to compete at a World Cup, but we want like legit Lebanese-born and bred players making it and playing at future World Cups. And, and that's the trick, really. Yeah. And... Um, I'm just not sure how we get that because they've had success at World Cups. Their last World Cup was phenomenal, mm-hmm. uh, but we didn't really see anything um, domestically or, or much else from there. So I, I want Lebanon to be more than just a heritage Australian side. I think they deserve to be. I think they've got some, some passionate players and, and administrators on the ground in Lebanon. I know a few of them myself, and um, I'd love to see them like Italy, like Greece, I'd love to see them being strong in country and um, and really grow from a successful World Cup. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, no, that, that sounds good. Well, ne- next one on the list, we go back to Group B and we've got Scotland. So uh, just reminding everyone in that group is uh, Italy, Scotland, Fiji and Australia. Uh, Scotland's a strange one because to me, they're ranked very high um, and probably higher than they kind of look like they should be to me because when I and I know you said like Lebanon sort of surprised everyone last time but Scotland were pretty disappointing last time and I, I'm just mm. not sure whether you know like I'm not even sure of whether they can beat Italy or not like it, I think I think if they go through like worst case you know they go through and don't win a game it just kind of cements that that opinion that they're not quite at the same level as everyone else in this World Cup um, or Scotland the last international Scotland played from memory was, I think, against Greece. And Greece, Greece, like for the first half, put on a good show. Like I thought Greece looked really strong against Scotland back then. And I don't quite recall if this was a Scottish side that had Lachlan Coote or any other big name players like that. But mm-hmm. but certainly they've got some good heritage players, and Coote will probably play for them. He's doing well at, at St Helens and he's been a fixture, a permanent fixture in the Scottish side mm. for some time. So Scotland have potential to do okay, but I just can't see like I said with Italy, I can't see can't see anyone else getting out of group B other than Australia and Fiji. It's just gonna be a bridge too far. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, it's it's a shame for Scotland. See I think Scotland's in the same the same kind of feeling as what Ireland's in, except I don't think the Scottish domestic uh, system is probably as strong as what what you're describing Ireland being. So, you know, uh, is it? Be, or, you would yeah. you would be surprised. There's a couple of good Scottish sides as well. Okay, um, I mean they're probably the just haven't heard about them as much. Yeah, I mean yeah. the other thing, Scotland also don't have. Well, obviously, they don't have a Super League team. They don't have a, like yep. a Championship or League One team. Um, you know, but, but the the strange thing about Scotland is, I mean, with Ireland, you can understand that there there's a fair distance there. With Scotland, they, you know, the north of England is, yeah, the closest thing to Scotland. You know what I mean? Like it, you you'd imagine that that that's probably their their path to getting success is to try and get a League One team, 
maybe have Edinburgh or something like that or Glasgow or something like that and try and try and maybe do what like Wales are doing with the you know West Wales and North Wales and try and um, you know join the English competition and, and get well, a bit of experience the, that way. The closest they've had recently is the Edinburgh Eagles, who they're probably the premier Scottish team. They've got teams in Glasgow and places like that as well, but Edinburgh have been in the northern um, northern division, uh, English division, so they've mm-hmm. played. They've sort of crossed that border. That's probably like a Division Four, so it's just below League One. So they have their their. It's probably that sort of level. Oh, Edinburgh the national have, champion, national, national conference. Yeah, sorry, yeah, okay. the national. I think it's northeast or something like yeah, that. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm not. My geography's a bit off. No, it's okay. But um, but they. That's probably the strongest side they've got. And um, they're back in the domestic league this year. Mm. So it's going to be really interesting. I think, that again, they've got about five or six teams. Aberdeen's coming back next season as well. So Scotland Scotland is in a similar boat to Ireland in that domestically they are they are looking as strong as they have for a while. They've just, that, they could probably use a Super League team or a League One team, like you said, as well. So mm. um, that's, that's where they need to build upon. Well, I think Scotland's big chance is when they play Italy and Fiji if it, it uh, gets close to snowing. Um, that might help them. <laughs> um, but like, like I said, I, like you've been saying with that group, that Group B, um, for anyone other than Fiji and Australia, is going to be almost impossible. But look, if, if for some you know, some reason they are able to beat Italy and Fiji and get through to the quarterfinals, do you think it would make a huge difference to Scottish Rugby League? Um, the fact that it's it's so close to home, like I think what you want to see there is it make the back page of newspapers if they do well. Mm-hmm. You know, get people talking about rugby league in Scotland. I think that's what you need. And if they can then, and then the question is, how do they capitalise on that? How do they capitalise on the good press and 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 the momentum? Because um, that's where that's where we as a sport have struggled in previous World Cups. It's how do we how do we how do we back up the year after a World Cup, so to yeah. speak? Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, next one on the list. This uh, looking at this Group A is very interesting because the next one on the list is France in yep. Group A, which is the same group as Greece uh, and also Samoa and England. So, I mean, France against England is a is a very tasty kind of thing for for France. So, you know, even if they, I'm not saying they're going to be close enough to beat them, but even if they're running and close, that's going to be a bit of a victory for them. But the interesting thing about France is they've talked about the next World Cup possibly being in France, and you know, and that French, you know, while we were. Th- going through the, all these uh, you know, COVID lockdowns and things, the, the French Rugby League was, was still running and a lot of people began watching the, the Elite One. And, yeah. you know, when you... It, it seems like France is, is making that push to make Elite One and, and the French Rugby League maybe the, the second biggest rugby league in, in the Northern Hemisphere. So um, it'd be very interesting to see. Obviously, the worst possible thing is they, they get beaten by Greece. Um, I don't see that happening. Um Best possibility, you know, they obviously make it into the quarterfinals and then maybe jag a semi-final spot. Now, if if France could get the semi-finals, what do you think that would do for them? Look, it would be huge. It would help them in their campaign for the twenty twenty five World Cup. Mm. I think France is similar to Wales in that they're building up nicely, and if it's not this World Cup that is a success for them, then they want to do better 
in four years' time, and they can. They've got some good young kids coming through probably, you know, for the first time in a while. There's some good development happening over there. You mentioned the Elite One continued. Carcassonne's still doing well and, and clubs like that. They're coming to a conclusion for their season now. So they're at, they're at sort of peak at the moment. Toulouse is leading the championship, so mm. that's good. And I know they're not all French players, but they've got a good French contingent there. Mm-hmm. Catalan is currently equal first in the Super League, you know, at time of recording. So they've just shellacked Wigan and they knocked off St. Helens mm-hmm. as well, which is no easy feat. Like, it's, it's, uh, no one can defeat Saints over on that side of the world. So, you know, for, to have all the French clubs doing so well right now in a World Cup year can only be a good thing. And I know, you know, James Maloney isn't going to be playing for France like he is for Catalan, but they've got guys like Theo Fargs and they've got some good young kids that are coming through. And um, France might be the smoky in Group A. It's going to be very hard Mm. to see anyone other than England and Samoa progress in that group. But if anyone can do it, it is France. If they can get an upset against, like, the home side England, like, that would be huge. It would be interesting because, like... I want to see France play England every year. I want I want France v England to be like their state of origin over there. I want to see it more often. And mm. I think, you know, England have kind of been a bit shy and not wanted to do that, really. They think they're going to beat France by too much. So if France can put on the show against England in particular, I think that would be sensational. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be hard for them to get out of Group A with, with Samoa there as well. Yeah. So how does... Just, just ask the question. I, I, I don't know this, but... Um... How does the crossover work? So, when the 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 best team of Group A play, do do you know who plays who? Like the the second because they play the second best team of another group. Um, yeah, that's a great round. that's a that's a great question. I think it's A and C. Yeah, f- and B and D. So first place sec- in A plays second in C. I think. Okay. Don't quote me on that. No, no, it's just I interesting. Think that's how it will look. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's just Good interesting because if if France gets the second spot. Um, just say they get the second spot and say everyone who you'd expect to win wins through, it means that in the in that um, semi-final, France would have to come up against New Zealand. Mm. Um, now, look, I don't know if I'd give them much chance, but if if France got through and then beat New Zealand to get into the, sem- the end of the semi-final, um, that would be a sensation. That would be an absolute sensation. And I think that would really help the French game. Because you could imagine that, you know, I don't know who they'd come up against next. I'm not sure if it would be, would probably be the loser of, would probably either like, you know, Australia or um, or Tonga. Um, could, you imagine, could you imagine a, a France-Tonga semi-final, you know, and the winner is playing England or Australia? That'd be an amazing game. I just don't think France would be quite up to that level, but um, you know what I mean. Like if they could, if they could, you know, on, on their day, anyone can beat anyone, really. So if they could possibly get through the quarters and then get a and get that victory, it would be a huge, huge thing for French rugby league. Look, it's it's hard not to dream because every international rugby league fan who knows the history of France and and their their passion for growing our our sport. Mm. They want France to be a powerhouse, you know. So I'd love to see that day. I don't think this is the day. No. Uh, no. But I think they can definitely, like Wales, probably more so than Wales, they can build some foundations. And if, if 2025 is, in fact, in France, which is looking 
most likely at the time of recording, and that can change, obviously, but it's the most likely location for the next World Cup, then you, we want France to be strong in four years' time. So this is where they need to start building that. Mm, definitely. Well, look, that probably leads us be- straight into the next one, which is Samoa. So we've all, so we, we'll take the other side of it this time. So um, look, the, a disaster for Samoa is they lose all their games, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, yeah. The best for Samoa is obviously they're going to get through... Um, I th- I think the the most interesting thing, thing for Samoa is when they play England because that's their first matchup if I believe correctly. Yeah. Um, if Samoa somehow beats England, the home nation, I think that would be that would send shockwaves through this competition, um, and obviously put them in prime position to to take the top spot um, when they come out of this group. And then, like I said, you know, if they if we're doing the crossover AC, they're coming up against you know. Probably not New Zealand. They probably against either Lebanon or Ireland or Jamaica. Mm. You'd give them a good chance to beat one of them. So, like it, it, best possible case, I think they're probably in a semi-final. Worst possible case, they don't make it out of the, out of the pool group. So, um, what what do you think it would do? For, look, the funny thing about Samoa is all the all the politics that's happening at the moment. So, if they can get their act together and they can get like quarterfinal, semi-final, um, what kind of effect do you think it happens for Samoa? It would have the same effect that Tonga had in 2017. So, like, mm. the the king or the president of Samoa would be giving plots of land to to, to Samoan players. Mm. Uh, it would be huge over there for them. It'll be a great boost for the sport. I think Samoa, if you put their strongest team on paper and get their coaching staff right, um, they can win the World Cup. There's no doubt about wow. that. They've I got didn't it. even put them that far, but yeah, wow. No, okay. they, Samoa, Samoa could win the World Cup. Like, if if um, Jerome Luai is playing for Samoa and guys like that, which he's, he's already expressed an interest in doing so, and you'd have to think he's a chance. Like, if, if Munster's the 5'8 for Australia, then, then Luai can play for Samoa, even mm. though he's playing Origin. That's fine. So you've got guys like that. You've got... There's a there's a whole host of play. They've got a strong side. Yeah. Wikipedia, it they've got potentially one to seventeen a very strong side, and we've heard things about you know guys like Sonny Bill Williams wanting to get involved in the coaching staff. And I don't think I don't think Sonny Bill and the Johns boys should be the coach, no. but I think I'd love to see Sonny Bill in particular involved in some way because I think having him there would get more of the boys wanting to play for for Samoa. The passion will be there, the culture, the pride will be there, and I think he'd have a lot to do with that. I think that, yeah, I, I can't stress enough, the strongest possible Samoan side could win the World Cup. Mm-hmm. They could, you know, that first game, game one, to open the, the, the tournament against England is going to be huge. Um, it's going to be a close one, mm. and whoever wins that, look, it's they're the two that are going to get out of that group, in my opinion. Yeah. So it, it doesn't matter who wins or loses that first one, but it's going to send a message to the rest of the competition. That's for sure. That's definitely. And, and I mean, the thing is, I'm just looking at then, if you're correct in, with with AEC crossover and then the other way, um, depending on which which way it goes, depending on whether they the winner of winner of A, like the best team in A plays, plays B or D um, when they get to the semi, you, you've got the possibility of, of Samoa, if they do go top, either getting to play against Tonga in the semi-final or mm. 
possibly Australia in the semi-final. Now, mm. now, wow. look if if could you imagine if Samoa comes up against Australia in the semi-final and defeats them? Yeah, New Zealand plays Tonga. If Tonga defeats New Zealand, if we ended up with a Samoa Tonga final for this World Cup, what do you think that would do? I I I don't I think everyone it would just melt the Pacific basically if we could do that. It would melt the Pacific, and the NRL would probably say, "Okay, we're going to have standalone Origin fixtures uh, in 2022, so that Samoa can play Tonga three times as well at yeah. the same time." Yeah. <laughs> because Maybe. I mean, look, it's, how good would that be? I'd be amazing. Would have, it would look that would be huge, and I think we might be getting a bit too excited now. I think so we get too excited, but I just I just saw the but, possibility of that happening. Like I don't know how but, it works. Yeah. But even if it was Wouldn't Samoa it, against Tonga in, in a semi-final, could you imagine what that it would, would be? Do? Yeah, it would be great. And, and you know, either of those sides could go deep. I, I actually think, I actually think their strongest strongest squads right now. I think Samoa would be stronger than Tonga if they came face to face. And um, it, it just again, as always, as I've said a few times, it depends on which team, which squad um, takes takes the field, who gets named. Yeah. Okay. Well, are we getting to the point again now? So now, as we're we're bringing these teams up um, or these countries up, we're talking. You know, the biggest disaster is they don't get out of the pool group, um, and you know we're talking about possible winners here. So um, the next one is PNG in Group D. So obviously, Cook Islands or Wales. You know, they probably would give them a little bit of opposition there, especially if we talk about Cook Islands. Uh, yep. Their biggest opposition is Tonga, obviously. Um, I think it would be a disaster if PNG doesn't get out of that group. I think if they, I think if it's Tonga and Cook Islands and PNG doesn't get out, uh, maybe not a disaster, but it wouldn't be, wouldn't be something that uh, would be too welcomed by everyone. I think we we want to see PNG in the quarters at least. Um, I don't know how far they can go. If they do get to a quarterfinal and they they win their quarterfinal, um, you know. It, that looks like they'd have to come up against someone like a like Australia and beat them, which I don't think would happen. Um, but just so they they somehow make it to the semi final, how huge do you think it'd be in PG? And I know I know the answer to this because we all know that this is their almost their religion, this sport. So um, if they make it to a semi final, you know what do you think happens for PG? Oh, they'd probably have a public holiday declared. <laughs> I think if they'd they, I think if they got close to Australia in in, in a quarterfinal, they'd probably have a public holiday. But I, yeah. I I do believe that the streets of Port Moresby might be um might be having a little bit of a little bit of a fun time if they could possibly. Could you imagine if they came up against Australia in a quarterfinal and defeated them? Could you imagine oh, what yeah. that would do if if Australia was knocked out of the World Cup by PNG? The shockwaves that would go through like go through the NRL like it'd be like what is happening here? Why is Australia not winning this competition, and why we why yeah. did we get beaten by PNG? They'd probably announce Justin Ollum as the new king of Papua New Guinea as well, <laughs> probably. And um, the, yeah, they'd just have a probably a week worth of public holidays. To be honest with you, but I think PNG look they could lose every game in the World Cup, and their fans would still be the biggest rugby league fans in the world. Yeah, I don't think it'll make too much of a difference, but. You'd have to think they have to get through their Group D for it to be at least a, a successful World Cup for them. Mm. Up in New Guinea, like they're on the cusp of something great. We mentioned I've mentioned Justin Olam already. They've got some good guys coming through their system now. They've got the PNG Hunters side mm. in the Q Cup, and Matty Ch- Coach Matty Church 
um, is doing some great things. They're developing some great talent. And I want to see, you know, in the next few years, I think we're going to see more Justin Ollams coming through into the NRL. And PNG are in the, the Wales and France bucket for me. Mm-hmm. They should make it to the semis, but oh, sorry, to the quarters. Course, they should yeah. make it to the quarters in this World Cup. But I think they're building up to something nice, and they're gonna. Their goal just needs to be whatever happens in 2021. They need to be even better in 2025 because I don't think it would be a shock if they were a nation that could win a World Cup in the next few World Cups time. Mm. Okay, well that's that is a big call. Um, but look, you know, they are in the world ranking. They are in the top, what are the top five? One, two, yeah, look, three, four, and I, six. I get excited and people are going to say, oh, you're, you're dreaming carbs, but you just got to look, think about the talent that come, that can potentially come out of Papua New Guinea mm-hmm. that are finally getting the sort of development and training that they require through PNG hunters, hunters. Yeah. You're looking at a guy like Justin Ollam, like arguably the best center in the world. Um, came out of the, the the you know came out of the the the, um, the villages in Papua New Guinea and there's 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 a hundred of him yeah that are waiting for yeah, an definitely. opportunity. We just got to give them that opportunity. So that's once 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 you know once we see more of these guys in the NRL, then it's going to make PNG a much more powerful rugby league nation on on an international scale. Yeah, I mean we've always known that there's raw talent in PNG. Yeah. Um, and just it just needs the right coaching. So you know, I I, I don't think you're crazy. I think if we look <laughs> at this list of sixteen of these sixteen nations, you know, PNGs in the upper half. And if you're going to say, you know, Australia's not going to win every single World Cup for the, you know in perpetuity, um, you know, some of these other nations that aren't England or New Zealand have got to have a chance. And you know, who's to say PNG don't don't sort of take off what and it all it takes is a good run in in one world cup and you know they they win the thing and i'm not saying they're going to win them all the time but they you know they they're in they've always been competitive so it just needs to be that next little step up all right uh i think the next one next one's interesting too it's in a similar we're getting right up to the top here so we've got to in group b we've got fiji um Obviously, you know, Fiji, they may have quarterfinals last time. I think they were beaten by Australia in the quarterfinals. Um, yeah. So, you know, they are actually in Australia's group this time. So they get they get the joy of playing Australia again. Uh, I think it's probably a disappointment if they don't get out of their group. Uh, you know, like if, if Italy or Scotland gets out there instead of them, I think that'd be disappointing. As we, Pretty much with all these others, that's, that's where we're at. Um, if they are able to... Obviously, it depends on who they could play in that quarterfinal. Um, most likely, if it's the B and D group thing, they're looking at they're going to have to play P and G. So that'd be a very interesting matchup. Oh, I don't win P and G, so it'd be Tonga. Uh, that'd be a very interesting matchup. Yeah. I I don't know whether. I mean, obviously, you know, we talked about Samoa, but they're very strong. Fiji feels like they're in a similar vein as well as, as what you're saying with P and G, where they do have talent. They've got a domestic competition, so. You know, they just need a little bit of better coaching, maybe a little bit more, maybe a few more talented players come through and they might be a bit more successful. But look, do you do you think it would make a huge difference if they if they got to a semi-final or, or, or I mean, quarter-final, I think there's, they realistically think that's where they're going to get to. But 
if they're able to jag a win against one of these top nations and get to a semi, do you think that would make a huge difference for them? Yeah, Fiji are, uh, Fiji are a tricky one. They're in the same boat as PNG in that they've got the Cavite silk tails that are feeding talent now into like the, the, the rooster system. And the North Sydney Bears, sorry, into the North Sydney Bears system, into the Rooster system. So there's a genuine pathway from the, the Fijian National Rugby League, which has 32 teams, by the way. Mm. There's a genuine pathway for those guys into the NRL now. And we've already seen, you know, they're 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 kind of ahead of Papua New Guinea in that they've got guys like Kikau and Sivo and Ravalawa, mm. guys like that who are Fijian born, who are, you know regular first graders in the NRL and some of the best in their positions, you know. So Fiji is strong. What they're lacking is quality halves. Mm-hmm. I think they've got Wakeham there from the Doggies in reserves and they've got they've got a good kid from the Silk Tails who played for North Sydney Bears last week. His name eludes me now, but he's a halfback and he's quite good. He'll probably line up in this World Cup and it'll be interesting to see how he goes. And, you know, not to put pressure on the guy, but how he goes could determine... Um, <laughs> could determine how successful they are. I think they made the semis last time. I think they've made them the last few times. They've been quite successful at World Cups. Um, Fiji is one to watch for the future. I don't know if they'd beat a Samoa or a Tonga right now, but the fact that a lot of their talent is more domestic grown than Samoa and Tonga, they're less, they rely less on heritage. I like I like that about Fiji, and I'd, I'd like to see them be successful. Um the the right things and we we spoke a little bit about you know capitalizing after a, a world cup which you know some nations don't really do well mm. i think fiji are in the box seat to capitalize whatever happens i think they can make the semis and you know the the pathways that that are coming from the silk tails and their and their fijian national rugby league um those sorts of things working in the background and, and improving next year after a successful World Cup, yeah. that's what, that's, you know, that's the the model, you know, or that's the template that we want to see a lot of these other nations sort of sort of take on and, and, and utilise. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, that's pretty good. Now, we've got through 12 of these, so now we're at the top four. So these top four, obviously these are the, you know, these are the real heavyweights. These are the ones that, um, you know, if anyone's going to win this competition, they're probably the, the obviously, the four favourites. Um, I'll keep going the order. So the next one in the order is Tonga. Um, yeah. I think absolute disaster is Tonga doesn't make it out of their group. I think that would be, I think that would really undo a lot of their good work from the last one if they don't get through. Um, I mean, obviously, still, I don't think it's going to affect Tonga Maybe it won't affect them too much long term, but I think it would be a real disaster for them. But like you just said, then with Fiji, um, there's not a lot of you know domestic player Tonga players. We're we're really looking at a lot of heritage here with Tonga. So I don't know. I'm not sure if you have the same opinion, but I I, I do worry that um, unless Tonga starts to kind of you know bring some domestic talent through as well, that you know ne- I mean there's always going to be Tongan heritage players in the NRL. It just seems to be that's gonna what it's gonna be. But I kind of want them to to grow their domestic game a little bit too, so that they they're not relying on, you know, kids that grew up in Australia or, you know, in England to to pretty much make up their team. Um, obviously the best the best scenario for them is they win the World Cup. Yeah. Um, 
which I think is is doable. But I mean, I don't know what you think about what I just said then. But you know, like I think, obviously, worst case is they don't make it through out of the, out of the pool, and the best case is they're winning. I, th- I think they'll make it out of their pool. They should win it, but at the yeah. very least, they should make it out of there. Mm-hmm. What you said about the heritage, like. It's a really interesting topic, like heritage in rugby league, and I think for, you know, for in in particular, for the Pacific nations, mm. heritage means everything. So, like, you know, I know, like, if you're Tongan and you're from a Tongan family, but you were born in Auckland, then you identify as Tongan. You know, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of Samoans that are like that as well, as well. You know, there were even, you know, my parents, for example, identified as Italian despite being born here. They were, their parents are Italian. They came from Italy. Every They spoke Italian at home. They identified as Italian. And, and I, I sort of see that in a lot of the Islander families, the Pacific Islander families. So we, I don't, you know, I don't think we can be too harsh on, oh, these guys aren't born in Tonga, so they're not Tongan. There are more. T- there are more people that identify as Tongan living in Auckland than there are living in Tonga. Yeah. And yeah. I think the f- domestically, or the future of Tonga, a lot of their future stars are going to come are more likely to come out of Auckland than out of Tonga, for example. Which is ha- the ca- that's kind of been the case already, anyway. Mm-hmm. My my worry for Tonga is there aren't a lot of new players that have come through in the last couple of seasons. So I kind of worry that their peak was when they beat Australia two years ago mm-hmm. and, and that World Cup. And I just hope that if they aren't as successful as they were last time around, that their fans still stick with them and the passion is still there and they can still build a strong squad for the next World Cup or the years to come as well. Yeah. I think I just don't want everyone to be expecting Tonga to win this World Cup and then be disappointed if they don't. Um, yeah, yeah, I, d- I don't think that'll be the case. I think you'll have a legion of Tongan fans or depending on, on obviously travel restrictions and COVID and things like that, but there'll be a legion of fans behind them one way or another, whether it's in stadiums or not. And I just hope that Tonga figure out what their future looks like, but also take advantage of, of their current and, and, you know, try and go at least one better than last time. Yeah, okay. Well, that's fair enough. Look, I wasn't being critical of them. I just, I just looked at them and, and you look at, some of these other nations we talked about like the PNG and the Fiji and you just think you know is are they sustainable long term but look I take your point you know there's a lot of there's a lot of people remember, with that descent yeah, yeah you got to remember too Dave like in terms of population Papua New Guinea I think is like has about 8 or 9 million people hmm. Fiji has 1 million people yeah. Tonga has about 100,000 people living yeah. in Tonga so there's more like I said there's more Tongans in Auckland than in Tonga so uh, it's crazy yeah. I'd say just just my the only point I have about that is um, at the moment we've got the, the grandparent rule um, and I've heard people say before that you know if it continue if you know a lot of Tongans you know a lot of people who do identify as Tongan you know are living in New Zealand or Australia um, in a couple of generations time are they are those same sort of people who would identify as Tongan able to actually play for Tonga anymore? So that's why, that's what I'm thinking more long, long term, not sort of the next yeah, it's couple legit. of cups. It's a legitimate concern. Yeah. We'll worry about that in two generations. Yeah, worry about that. When, when I'm about <laughs> 90 years old, I'll be worrying about it. When you're 90, it. yeah. Yeah, that's all good. Uh, look, we're getting, like I said, we're getting right to the point again. So we have the hosts, England, who are the next one. Um, now, the disaster for England is they don't get out of the pools. 
And yeah. I think that really is a disaster. Like I, I said it about Tonga, it would be, but I think for England, that is that is a huge concern if that happens because, you know, we're looking at the game. Obviously, the game is is only really played in a small, like sort of small corner of England, if you want to call it that. Um, if by some, you know, by some terrible thing that happens to them, they they get knocked out. You know, they get beaten by France and Samoa or something, and they end up not getting out of that pool which I think is very, very unlikely. But if it does happen, um, I think it could do some real damage to them. But the positive for England that is, is if they go through and they actually are able to beat Australia and New Zealand and, and win this World Cup uh, on home soil, I think this would be a huge boost to them. And obviously the, the money is a huge boost to them as well because of the event being held over in their country. Um, but in terms of their actual domestic game, I think if you could, if they could actually win it, it may spark some interest in other areas of England that don't play this game at all. Yeah. If you ask me who, which nation is this World Cup most important to mm. or which nation winning would make the biggest difference for International Rugby League, yeah, it, the answer is England, yeah, hands definitely. down, uh, because it's their home, um, because the game has been sort of detracting a little bit, like the, the fan base and the the player base and, you know, the column inches in newspapers, it's not, it hasn't been um, going in the right direction uh, over there. Um, like, England really needs to win this World Cup. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. And uh, it, it doesn't mean they will, you know. They might they might um, have trouble beating Samoa in the first game, yeah. like we said. Yeah. Uh, but if England win this, then... You know, I guess their their side becomes the poster boys of English sport for for a little while. And like we've said with the others, it just depends on what they do with that momentum, how to, they capitalise on that next year. And uh, but but it is important. And and I think equally so for their for the women's World Cup and the wheelchair World Cup. I mm. mean, England need to win at least one of those three. Yeah. It's really important. And them. it's not going to be easy to win any of those three because, you know, Australia, New Zealand and the women, are uh, you'd have to say almost a whole tier better than the English are. Um, I mean, I haven't seen England play for a while, but I think we, I think from what we've seen of the, you know, the NRLW and, and you know, obviously when Australia has played New Zealand, it's they're, they're at a different level than what England are. I don't know yeah. much about wheelchair, but I kind of even feel that even if they won the wheelchair one, I don't know if it would be make that much difference because I mean it would it would obviously be positive, but yeah, I mean if you're trying to sell, oh, we won, we've held this World Cup, we've we held all these three like World Cups and we won the wheelchair version. Um, I think for your casual fan, they won't really care that much. Um, if they won one of the other two, I think it would be much bigger for them. But yeah, I I totally agree with you. They, they are the nation who this World Cup is the most important thing. Pivoting for their sport, you know, like I think that if they, uh, I don't know if I'm right about this. I don't know if this is what would happen, but I think if they were able to win this World Cup uh, in the men's, I'm not going to talk about the women's. We're just talking about the men's for now. But if they were able to win this this um, World Cup, and they could build off the back of it, the Super League could be a much bigger competition. Um, they could actually actually expand this competition, and they could actually have you know, reasonable expansion into other areas. I mean, I know rugby unions are a huge sport over there and obviously, you know, 
football association and football soccer as we call it uh all the rest of the world um is is huge you know it's, it's just so massive but if they can like you said get a few column inches it may just be enough to to just sort of kick them up into you know being a little bit more popular in other places other than sort of Wigan and Hull and you know yeah or on the M62 and I think the way they need to capitalize it's good it's good for Super League to grow and all that sort of thing as well but they need to capitalize by playing more international games yeah. so you want to get France and Wales and Ireland and Scotland and even like Jamaica is another one like if Jamaica has a surprise World Cup mm. and does really well and somehow makes it to the finals then you know considering the contingent of like heritage players from the UK in that Jamaican side Jamaica could be a really good like hit hit out for England you know at the end of the season in 2022 for example so mm. you want like England need the English side playing against you know in particular you know, other European nations, if they can, mm. get everyone else stronger and really like that's where that's where the momentum and the and and the effort needs to go because mm. the success of the Super League will follow the success of of um, a strong international sort of footprint. Yeah, uh, I think anyway, that's just my opinion. Though. No, no, that's fine. I and mean, the other one too is that as you're just saying that then. Um, Part of the the more positive, like we we didn't talk about the positives for other nations, we just talked about their own nations. But if you know one or two of France, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, you know even even more than that, actually have good World Cups, win multiple games, then I think that's a positive for England as well. Because like yeah. you said, you know they don't want to play against France because they're scared they're going to beat them by too much. If France gets out there and runs them close in this one, finishes second in the pool. Somehow, you know, has a has a good quarterfinal game against whoever it is, even if they don't win it. Um, and England, you know, don't go much further. Then all of a sudden, you know, it it looks like we've got someone we can play against in England. You know, if they're, exactly. they're looking at it and going, we could actually have a competitive game here. Um, so look, that's I think that's probably that's another positive for them. But look, not that I want anyone. Not that I really look. It's funny internationally because you know, obviously, I'm completely an Australian. And you know, should support my team, but I, you know, my country. But you know, if Australia doesn't win this World Cup, I, I kind of think I'd be almost happier if they don't win this World Cup. Um, and funny with the, the you talk about the eligibility rules, I'm actually able to play for England. So um, if <laughs> if coach wants me to come out of retirement, I can actually technically play for them, which is really really funny. So yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. Um, it's, I, I can hey, I can play for no other nation, but I can play for England and Australia, um, and my daughters could play for Malta. So, but I can't. Hey. So there hey. you go. Um, that's, that's cool. Well, I'm sure <laughs> uh, Sean Wayne is listening, and oh, if sure. he needs a halfback, then I used to play five eight, but uh, <laughs> I could, I can, I can slot into halfback if he really needs it. Um, <laughs> I am a bit out of shape. I'll just put it. To, I'll just put it to you right now. You may need to give me a few months just to get back in shape, uh, drop about 20, 25 kilos, uh, and actually run again. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I love it. That's one thing you might have to do if you ever have a, a chasing ruse. Um, you know, catch up. We might have to have like a chasing ruse Oz tag game or something. We can we can play some na- different nations against each other. That would be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. Good idea. All right. Well, I've just floated your, your next uh, catch-up thing, but let's let's get back to what I was doing. Um, <laughs> so we're on the top two, and we're going. I'm going to go by the official 
um, rankings that I pulled up. So Australia is actually ranked number two, and that's just because yep. Australia doesn't play anyone else. Um, yep. So they've lost their number one ranking, which I don't think Australians care about, but they are number two. Uh, obviously, their pool is Fiji, Scotland, and Italy. Uh, I really don't see them not getting out of the pool, but could you imagine uh, if Australia gets beaten by Fiji in a pool game? Um, yeah. I don't think they're going to not get out of the pool, but if they actually lose a pool game and end up having to play, you know, like Tonga or New Zealand in, in the quarters um, and get knocked out, like they basically get knocked out in a quarter, that's probably the worst result they could have for Australia. Um, best results, obviously, they win it and they don't get, no one comes close to them. Uh, but that's boring. So let's let's talk about what happens if Australia gets beaten by Fiji and gets knocked out in the quarters by Tonga or New Zealand. That would be sensational. Mm. Uh, and I know that's not the answer you're expecting. It would be great for Australian rugby league on an international level mm-hmm. because it would mean we need to start caring. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. Like I want, I want Australia to want revenge against if Fiji knocked them out or if Tonga knocked them out or if England knocked them out or if New Zealand knocked them out and took out the whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, I want Australia to be hungry for international rugby league and put it on the pedestal it deserves to be. And if Australia just shellacks everyone like they do normally at these things, then um, they're just not going to care next time. No. Um, but if Australia loses in the semi-finals and we end up getting a New Zealand-England final, or a New Zealand Tonga, or a Tonga England, or a Fiji Tonga, or a Samoa Tonga, or whatever Samoa New Zealand mm-hmm. grand final, then all of Australian, you know, the kangaroos need to have a good hard look at themselves and start to take our international game seriously. Yeah, look, when you say that's not the answer that you think I wanted, that's exactly the answer that I that I did want. I agree with you totally. <laughs> I totally agree. That would be the best thing. The only thing that I think would maybe be. A negative in all that is that if if Australia looks at that, gets knocked out of it, and still shrugs their shoulders and says, doesn't matter because the NRL is the best competition anyway, and this was all just garbage and whatever. Because I think the only way that Australia get has that happen is perhaps some players pull out because of the whole COVID mm. situation. Now, if we send a team which is under strength, and they don't, and they do get knocked out, then. That's almost a pot. That's almost something where the Australian officials can go. Oh well, we didn't send our best team, so you know that's what happened, uh, and they'll just write it off and and it might continue. Um, yeah. But I, I do feel like the last time anyone sort of in Australia, maybe not felt apprehensive about Australia's chances, but the last time anything, you know, maybe last time they really wanted to get a bit of revenge was probably 2013 after after they lost the 2008 World Cup. So. Yeah. And yeah. and so I think you're right. I think even if Australia made the final and got beaten in the final, that would be that would definitely make it more interesting for for international rugby league. And that, that I'm all for that. I want I want Australia to want to actually like I don't really give any care about state of origin. I know I know people people like it. I didn't even really care who was in the teams apart from hey a couple of Parramatta guys made it and so that's nice for them. Um, but I almost sort of sat back there and said, oh, look, you know, I'm glad for them that they made it. It's a it's an achievement for them. Um, but I kind of was more of, well, I'd rather them just play for my club, but I don't really care about state of origin. But if it was a, you know, if it was a test match, Australia playing England or New Zealand or something, then I would be like, yes, pick my players if they're the best. I want, I want to be, I want to see the best players play. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. I, I've I've got this thing, and people will say it's just because you go. It's coming from New South Wales and Queensland's too good, and you know whatever. Um, I don't think I've really. I, mean, I watched Out of Origin and I like it, um, but it's just realistically, it's to me, it's just you know, the best two teams made up like the two teams made up of the best kind of New South Wales, Queensland players. It doesn't really mean anything if if someone wins or someone doesn't win to me. Look, I've, I've been similar to you in that regard. For me, it's like. Why not have both? Yeah. Like, we're, like we're, state of origin is some, something that is incredibly unique to our sport. There mm. really isn't another sport that has that in no. terms of that sort of level of competition, that rivalry. But the fact that it's bigger than, than our international game, I think, is wrong. It's the, the wrong way around. It should lead into our international game. Both should be strong. We should have, you know, we should have a strong club competition strong state of origin strong internationals why can't we have it all that's what i just want it all dave I yeah just want all that's of it. Fine. i'm with you i think we could but i think we can have it too and like i i think i've said to you on obligations and i've told other people why why does the nrl season not have a mid-season rep window where we can play they can play their state of origin back to back three games but they could also play other internationals at the same time you know you talked about tonga and samoa I mean, Tonga could play Samoa three times a year during Maybe. a rep, rep window. We could have Fiji playing PNG three times a year, or we could have like a whole Pacific competition happening. Yeah, you, know, you could get, you could get, you know, England and France playing each other, and you know, like some kind of four or five nations over there. And yeah, there's so many options of what we could do. Um, but yeah. because the Super League season's like, you know, what thirty rounds or some ridiculous thing, and the NRL goes for twenty five rounds and you know, we have split rounds just so we can have Origin on a Wednesday, and it just—I don't get it. I don't understand how. Like, if they, if they just shorten the the actual NRL season, it's not going to make that much of a difference. Like, where there's a there's a mid-year period where everyone gets a bit weary anyway. I mean, we had twenty rounds yeah. last year, and through the middle period, everyone was a bit like, "Oh, this is still going." But if we had had, you know, like twelve rounds, four rounds of, you know, or four weeks of, you know rep windows and they can play nines tournaments and they could do a magic round and whatever they wanted to do and then you get back in the competition you do the other 12 rounds it, it keeps it fresh it keeps it going it's just it's better anyway See, that's that's our next pod together hypothetical uh perfect season uh, structure i know <laughs> we can do that i'm happy that's i've already put it out there a few times i don't think anyone i'm not sure if anyone else agrees with mine but um it look there's a few different ways of doing it, but if you can split the season in half, you end up with, you know, like a, a good condensed block and then another block and then a good condensed block and then finals. Like it's sort of, there's nothing that goes too long. And I found that if you if you just run a season for too long, people just get tired of it. So We, we, we proved that last year with the COVID break. So mm. remember we had like five or six rounds, then we stopped for COVID and then we came back. And when we came back, it was kind of like it felt like round one again. Yeah, we could do that. We could sort of do that artificially every year by doing what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Having you know, you got your you have eleven rounds or twelve rounds, then you have your break with your internationals and your state of origin and whatever mm-hmm. your celebration of rugby league, and then you come back for the season part two, yeah. and it feels like you know the excitement of round one again, and then you lead into finals and then some more mm-hmm. internationals. And I, I certainly think it's a great way to go, but you know. Well, I mean, I've, 
making the decision. Yeah, one, one of the things they've said is like, oh, well, you won't have enough games. It'll be a free kick to all the other team or the other, um, you know, sports because you're only going to have like one state of origin game and and like one international on a weekend where you normally have eight games and stuff. And I've said to people like that, well, look, if you want more games, then run a bloody mid like a mid season comp cup kind of thing. Run a nines tournament. Run. Run four nines tournaments on a roadshow for the four weeks. Like, there's if there's guys there that, you know, that are not making international teams or state of origin, put them in a put them in like other clubs and we'll run like a some kind of you know, I don't know. We'll run some kind of nines tournament or something. Like, yeah, there's a lot they can do. Man. Can I'm do not going to so accidentally much. start watching AFL because there's only two rugby league games yeah, on exactly. this weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we've only got four in this coming weekend, so it's not like they've. Yeah. It's much different, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right, well, we, we've arrived at uh, at our number one ranked in the world team, New Zealand. Um, yeah. So New Zealand's in that pool with Jamaica, Ireland and Lebanon. I really don't see New Zealand not making it out of the pool stage. But just look, you know, New Zealand's a funny, funny um, nation in some ways because they can have very poor tournaments in these. Um, and they have in the past. They've played quite poorly and still sort of scraped through. But... If they were, if they were somehow shocked by one of these teams, a bit like Australia, you know, and they ended up only coming out second place in their pool, and they ended up getting knocked out in a in a quarter final, what do you think that would do to New Zealand? It would be pretty bad. I can't see it happening that way. Um, last last World Cup was pretty appalling from them. Yeah. They did not do well at all. They lost against uh, Tonga. Yeah. I think they lost against Fiji as well. Yeah, I think um, so. They, they, yeah. yeah. They they had probably one of their worst World Cups in in my memory. Mm-hmm. I can't see that happening again. I no. really can't. No. They should have guys like Dylan Brown, uh, uh, Johnson, Benji might even be coming off the bench. Like they've, mm-hmm. they're going to have some great playmakers, good forwards, good backs as always. I'm not too sure if RTS will be playing. Obviously, his union contract might kick in, but um, other than that, they should have a pretty strong squad, strong team. I can't see them having two shit World Cups in a row. No, no. Um, and um, I think they're kind of the under-the-radar nation because everyone's talking about Tonga and, oh, what if Samoa do this and England's on home soil and Australia always wins, but no one's really talking about New Zealand. So no. I think they'll like that. They'll like going in under the radar and they're going to be in... They're, they're probably in the easier group Mm-hmm. So they should be able to get um, used to the conditions, which usually takes them some time. Like New Zealand squads in the past usually get really good by the end of the tournament, as we've seen. So mm-hmm. I think um, the conditions are right for New Zealand to to keep their number one uh, their, their number one ranking mm-hmm. if all goes to plan. Yeah, and no, I suppose that's that's what we say. If the best case is they they win it, what 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 do you think happens? If New, like New Zealand actually wins, um, if New Zealand wins, then uh, they'll go home to some celebrations. Mm. Uh, the New Zealand Warriors will sell out all of their home games when they finally can go back home yeah. after COVID, and the NRL will add a second New Zealand team. I was going to uh, say in twenty twenty four. I I feel like that's the big thing. If New Zealand wins the World Cup, we we end up with a Wellington team. I think that's what ends up happening, or Christchurch or whatever. 
Look, the thing is, what we're saying is like best case scenarios, like how do you capitalize on success? Mm. And I've said this, I probably sound like a broken record. This is probably the longest episode of your podcast ever, Dave, but I'll say it one more time. Mm. We need to do, like, we need to capitalize. We need to, it's not just like, okay, World Cup's over. We'll see you guys again in four years. It's like, what do we do next? How do we make sure the momentum continues? Mm-hmm. It's so important. And I can't stress that enough. Like, it's, you know, all of this isn't, it's not just like New Zealand win and then all of this stuff suddenly happens. Mm-hmm. It'll be New Zealand win and hard work needs to happen next to make sure that we continue to grow. Um, yeah, I hope that makes sense. Oh, no, that makes total sense. I know what you're talking about. It, um on your, uh, you know, you're saying this is probably my longest episode. I, it seems to be that my longest episodes are with people who have English accents. So um, my two <laughs> longest episodes are definitely... I don't, both guys that I've had um, for, from over in England, uh, actually know all of them because I've had a few others. Like when I've had uh, yeah, Phil Kaplan on, he liked talking for a long time. Yeah, Mark from the Super League pod, he... He loves to chat. I mean, if you ever listen to Super League Pod, I don't think I've seen any of their episodes under an hour and a half. Yeah. Usually it's two and a half hours long. Um, so he definitely likes to chat. Uh, and I, I'm not sure what it is. I, I said that to my friend. I said every time I do an episode with someone who's got an English accent, I can guarantee I'm going well over an hour and a half. So um, you've got a bit of catching up to do, uh, Don Carboni. We haven't quite got there yet. Um, by the time I add the, the, the intro and stuff, we're probably an hour and a half now. So yeah, that's all right. Look, that that's really great. I think we've we've kind of covered it all off. I think that's pretty much where we are. I just wanna just wanna put one more question to you, and I was thinking of it uh, as we started uh, with this World Cup. Obviously, you know we've seen these these sixteen teams and uh, qualify. Um, it's a weird question, but which which nation that's not in this World Cup at the moment? do you think would have the biggest benefit if they qualify for the next World Cup? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, the first one that springs to my mind is the USA mm-hmm. um, because I think it was a real shame that they missed out. Um, they've had some some internal issues and things like that and, you know, if you're not good enough, you're not good enough, what can you do? Yeah. But all the excitement around, you know, the NRL and things like that that we're hearing about now You'd like to think that they can build up to something next time around. Mm-hmm. Um, Canada, Canada's another one in that boat because you know we've, you know, we're all very excited with the Toronto Wolfpack, and then we all know what happened there. And you know, Aces and Wolfpack are coming back, and you know, hopefully they can build up to something nice. But there's, I don't know, there's just something about that North American dream, and I think you know, USA, Canada, spring to mind mm-hmm. for me immediately. Um, Another one that I really like and see a lot of potential is is Brazil. Um, yeah. I think they've got a lot of work to do. They're in the Women's World Cup, which is sensational, and they might surprise some people. I don't think they'll come close to Australia, New Zealand, but they might surprise some people to 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 see how good these girls are. And um, Brazil's a huge nation, and there's a lot of talent there in a whole heap of sports, not just soccer. And I think if we can sort of get a bit of a foothold for rugby league there, then that could that could be sensational. But um, man, oh, that's a great question without notice. I hope, Sorry, no, that's you know, okay. Probably, I thought of it. Probably, and I thought I'll put yeah, you on the spot. No, no, there's probably others as well. Like 
Oh, there's plenty. Turkey, I mean, Turkey springs to mind. Well, I mean, the thing is, you can't, whatever you say, there's going to be someone on your DMs when this episode comes out of the list and going, hey, Car- Don, Don Carboni, you didn't mention us. So I'm sure there'll be <laughs> a lot of South American nations saying that to you. Um, you know, like, it, and, and look, anyone, anyone who plays, you know, rugby league professionally anywhere in the whole world, if they made a world, like, if they made into a World Cup, next time would be huge. Um, and I agree with you, those will be huge. Uh, the other one that I was just thinking of would be someone like a like a Cameroon or one of those African mm. nations. Um, if yeah, an African yeah. nation maybe actually like made a, it. Yeah. Maybe like a Nigeria or yes. a Cameroon or a Ghana, you're right. I think um I, I think that's the next sort of like once we um we're gonna see an explosion of Pacific Islanders, Fijians and Papua New Guineans coming through. Mm-hmm. in the next few years in the NRL. And I think, you know, once we need more players from elsewhere than, than Africa, West Africa and, and all that sort of area, is, is there's some good talent there. And they're, they're really in early stages. They're learning the game, but yeah, yeah. And they're, they're fast and they're strong and, and they'll be able to play footy. Yeah, okay. Well, that's great. Well, look, thanks for thanks for answering my question without notice. That was uh, really good of you. <laughs> thanks, Ben. <laughs> that's all right. I, I think that's I think that's where we get to the end. I don't want to go too much further, but I want to thank you for coming on. Um, and, I, yeah, thank you for giving me an hour and a half of your time to, to chat about International Rugby League and, and the Rugby League World Cup. And I know that we're all excited for it to happen. And, you know, hopefully it happens with full crowds. And, you know, hopefully some of these fairy tale stories that we talked about you know, maybe one or two of these could happen and, and, you know, boost International Rugby League. Would be sensational, mate. Thanks for having me. Always great chatting to you. Sorry it took so long to, to get this uh, conversation happening. We had to cancel and reschedule a few times, but, man, I'm glad we uh, got to have this chat because we've had a lot of fun and it's been good hypothesising with you. And, yeah, if we can get one or two right, one or two dreams might come true. Hmm. That would be sensational. That'd be great. All right, cool. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you later. Cheers, buddy.